Okay. Okay. Welcome to the Oklahoma drill. Uh, it's Ryan, Alex, and Sam here. Uh, just enjoying a fifth straight Big 12 championship like it's nothing. Um, where to even start? Okay, yeah, I want to go just right, right off the bat. So we got our fifth straight Big 12 championship, and really what I'm left to think is how hopeless is this stupid conference? If they couldn't beat us this year, how the hell did they expect to compete with us moving forward? Because this was, this was the gap year. This was the year that we're breaking in a whole new defensive staff. We're putting in a whole new defensive scheme. We're, we've got Jalen Hurts at quarterback. We lost a Heisman Trophy winner. We lost four NFL offensive linemen. Like We lost a first-round talent at wide receiver. And we still won the freaking conference. We still had a top two offense in the country. What the hell are they? Is the rest of this conference? Thinking and right what's now? crazy is it's not like an ACC level abysmal power conference. Like it's top to bottom a decent conference. Like everyone's fairly competitive. Kansas showed signs of life this year. West Virginia had made a good coaching hire and they were putting it together. Like everyone's pretty decent. And it's just like that's it. Everybody in the middle is like slightly below average to slightly above average. And then there's Oklahoma. So it's like, what are they even supposed to do with that? Right. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't even want to say this on this podcast, but it really feels like their only prayer is that Lincoln gets hired away. Yeah. And even because... then, like, I'm sure OU will make a hire and probably not a Lincoln Riley level hire, but Right. Well, it's just because, like, this was – we had this circle as a rebuilding year, like, two years ago. Yeah. Like, because we were all in for 2020. And, right. like, this team is going to be better next year. It's probably going to be better the year after that. Like, this team isn't getting worse. This is as bad as this team is going to be in the foreseeable future. Right, and what I would say also is that I think Baylor is probably the best team we've come across in this run of five years. Um, maybe that 2017 Oklahoma State team might be up there. Um, good. But, I mean, we didn't—they um, didn't even play in the Big Twelve title. But like, right. as far I, I mean, as 2015 beaten, Baylor was really good too. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. They were. I I try to block that out of my memory right. because it's just be- kind of a horrible situation. But right. Um, yeah, so, like, I mean, you know, this was supposed to be the year that Texas was able to compete with us and really take it. There were a lot of people picking Texas to win the conference this year, and obviously we know how that went. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to me hearing how the, the Texas – I don't know if we've talked about this, but, like, Texas's reaction to their season is pretty hilarious, and it – I'm a little bit concerned about their concept of time because it really seems as if they believe that a day is three years. Um, right. Um, the thing I'm about not really Rome, sure. I'm a little scared of that. Rome wasn't built in a day, but I'm assuming by year three, there was kind of a Rome. You know? Yeah. <laughs> there was a path. There was. Right. You, you had could see an the understanding plan coming together. Right. And it kind of seems like this This is like if year three of Rome, what you had was like Romulus had a concussion and uh, Matthew <laughs> McConaughey is there. <laughs> so it's not a good metaphor, but here no, we are. I'm pretty sure Rome was not replacing both of their coordinators in year three. Um, <laughs> and yeah. So, anyways, that's just a Punic War. Um, that's a, that doesn't even that doesn't even track. Okay, right. and and my deal with I just look at this conference and you know I think Baylor is a decent team, but I also think that this is probably about as good as Baylor gets. And I think that the, in a lot of ways, you can look at what Baylor did this year as kind of fraudulent in terms of they won a lot of close games. They won an inordinate of amount of close games and. Yeah, they were really good defensively, but offensively, they are not great. They are not that far ahead of everybody else in, off, on the offense. And um, so I, I think that they're more likely to kind of join the rest of the pack in that like eight and four, seven and five group under OU next year than they are to continue to grow. Like, I, I think Matt Rule's good, 
but I don't think what he's doing down there is like this special thing to where he's going to just be competing every year. I also think Matt Rule's in the NFL in two years. Matt Rule will be in the NFL before Lincoln Riley is. So that's what Baylor fans get to look forward to. I've got an alternate take on the Rome thing, by the way. Okay. So, well, here's... So obviously, there's controversy. Uh, there are conflicting legends about the founding of Rome. This is setting aside like the like Paleolithic history of settlement in that area. Um, you have obviously the the myth of Romulus and Remus, um, which um, the analysts of Rome. That's not like analyst, analyst, a class of writers on Roman history. Um, date to 753 BC. Uh, but then you also have the um, tradition that um, Aeneas, uh, the Trojan hero, escapes Troy um, to Italy and then um, founds, essentially founds Rome. Uh, and so that's like in the, f- that like maybe happens in the first century or Virgil writes about that in the first century. The point is maybe maybe it took like, 5,000 years to build Rome, <laughs> which is also a bad news for Texas. Right. Yeah. Hey, I am totally down to sit through 5,000 more years of uh, of this type of Texas building. Sam Ellinger, Sam Ellinger the 17th. I also Jeez. like the part where somewhere along the way, when Rome was like getting close, they really hyped up that they were getting close to being built, oh, yeah. and then they took a major step back. <laughs> and then they were like, and then they were like, "No, guys, this is fine. Like, if if you know, two thousand years ago, we told you this is where we'd be now, you'd be happy about it." Right. Exactly. Right. Um. Let Let's talk about. Let's get back back onto some football. Um. So obviously the Big Twelve title game was this weekend, and yep. I, I honestly can tell you that at no point did I think we were going to lose the football game. No. And honestly, not, especially when we got to overtime, I was not worried right. that we were going to lose the football game. Right. Yeah, well, it's and, just like at, I mean, we'll get into more detail about this, but there just wasn't any point where it's like, oh, their offense is working. Right. Yeah, no, it, you know, it really, whenever you're talking about overtime, it, you're, you're feeling good because, hey, that we can't have a bust in the secondary that'll just leave a guy and let him get behind us. It won't happen down in that red zone territory. Yeah. And, you know, sorry, like Jacob Zeno, people got really excited about him after a couple throws. Like that dude was not going to be able to get it done. And, and even more so, Jalen Redman made sure that that dude was not going to be able to get it done. Um, shouts to Jalen Redman for coming up big. Yep. Um, but just overall, the game was just so weird. Like, from the very beginning, OU looked completely and utterly dominant on the defensive side of the ball. And at the beginning of the game, the first two drives, they looked completely and utterly dominant offensively. And you were thinking, oh, we might be headed towards a blowout until you remember that you're watching the 2019 Oklahoma Sooners. And you know that, well, this is going to get a lot harder from here on out because we just do not like nice things. Um, And then the turnover started and, you know, somehow we were down at halftime. Right. Down at halftime, even though Baylor was averaging like three yards a play, maybe. Um. Basically, their entire, like, more than half of their yardage was from one Gary Bohannon bomb. Yeah, they were they were averaging negative yards on first down, which that's a huge key for the OU defense. Like, I think that's one of the big, like, underrated things. Like, we talk a lot about um, third down defense, and so much of third down defense is accomplished on first and second down. Right. And I know everybody in, you know, we all remember the third and longs that were converted on us routinely, but... The percentage of third and longs converted, even against the worst defense, is still going to be considerably lower than like third and four. And yeah. OU being able to keep Baylor out of third and short and medium really helped the third down defense. And um, you know, it was it was just a dominant effort, to be completely honest. Outside of like four plays. Yeah, it's and it's. I mean, we'll remember those four plays because they're like screaming breakdowns, like 
astonishing mm-hmm. breakdowns. Well, honestly, like two of them I can't even really call breakdowns. Because there's one where like Gary Bohannon accidentally puts a ball in the exact perfect spot in the end zone. Yeah. Um, and then well, there's then the, the other the one where Gary one, Bohannon puts the ball you, in a place no one thought it could be. Yeah. It was like the place that you would just assume it would get picked. And then none yeah. of our guys made the play. Yeah. And it was almost like it was just like too easy and they got surprised. And right. it was it was very weird. Yeah. Um, the way I was explaining it on the day of was it's there's a concept um particularly in chess that total novices are actually more difficult for experts to defeat than amateurs because mm-hmm. an amateur makes predictable mistakes and uh, yeah so, exactly yeah, yeah. A, a novice it's just like oh, i don't even know what he's doing <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah that was really the kind of the feel that both i think jacob zeno and gary bohannon had was it was like you know, if all we have to do is not just completely screw up and that they aren't going to be able to do anything, you know what right. I mean? Because well, that one huge, uh, one of the, the huge um, pass, I forget if this was the touchdown or the one Trey Brown dragged him down on. Like that was a bust because we didn't properly identify the guy because he was wearing a different jersey because Jacob Zeno has the same number as him. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that was the Trey Brown play, which I mean, obviously biggest play of the game because I have zero, I had zero confidence in Jalen Hurts' ability to drive us down the field if yeah. we needed to score a touchdown after that. Um, and you know, so that that's what having defensive backs that run four three forties does for you, right there. Right, it might win even you a big if they should fair catch kickoffs, even if they should fair catch kickoffs. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the offense because. There were in a lot of situations, there were probably about five or six possessions in this game that the defense handed the ball to the offense and told them, put the nail in the coffin. We want this game to be over. And the offense just was not able to take advantage. Just like there was a there was a real moment where you're like, I think they said they told the defense they had a hammer and they were maybe lying and they maybe forgot (laughs) where their hammer was. Yeah, well, they had the great drive that they went up 10 on and. You know, you've got to be able to punch it in there. You've got to go up two touchdowns at that point because there was no way Baylor was scoring two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you and know, we you, were you we left. were all saying that like that's this yeah. is the ball game right here, and you get if you get to the four yard line, you got to do that. Mm-hmm. You got to put it away. Yeah. You have to, and like obviously going, you know, kicking the field goal was the right call, but like on that third down play, you know, there's a ball that hits Braden Willis in the hands. You know, it's got to be caught, and. Yeah. Then the ball game's over. We don't have to go to overtime. And it, it was just so much of this game was unnecessary and just yeah. unnecessarily God. like stressful. And I mean, I wasn't even like super stressed about it, but I was just like, I should be feeling zero stress during this game because it should be over, you know? Yeah. And God, what a microcosm of the season. Right. Especially the second half. Like, obviously, we were playing shitty teams at the beginning of the year. And. And, you know, I think back to that Texas game, mm-hmm. and I think that that also was just like the perfect kind of foreshadowing game for the rest of the year because it was a game that we all felt le- we left that game feeling great. We felt like, wow, we might be one of the best teams in the country, if not the best. Our defense looks amazing. Our offense, hey, we had a couple mistakes, but, you know, that will probably clean itself up. But, wanna, no, that was I just wanna, the perfect yeah. – the perfect example of this season as well. Yeah. I want to take us back to that Texas game and just remind everyone of that play where Jalen hurts had the ball behind his back and it was being ripped at by a defensive back or yeah. I assume, I assume it was a defensive back cause it's a Texas defensive player. Um, <laughs> and uh, so did he just use all his ball security? Like did he just use it all up on that? He play? used it. He used <laughs> it on that meter play. hasn't refilled. And then he had the play in this game uh, on that third and six where Creed snapped a terrible ball. And he just like reached down and picked it up with one hand. Then he picked it up and threw it to Kennedy Brooks and we got the first down. Yeah. Like those plays, honestly, if you think about who was doing them, they're pretty jaw dropping because you've got this guy who might be the least secure with the ball as anyone I've ever seen able to just make those like Kyler Murray-esque plays. It's just it's pretty incredible. Yeah. He is, I don't understand. He's an he is, enigma, man. He is such a strong person. 
Uh huh. And I know that you don't do squats for ball control. That's not those muscles. Mm-hmm. But he does the other lifts too, presumably. Dude, right. like dude, <laughs> dude is like a state powerlifting champion. Yep. He can't hang on to the ball. It's it, it's like a, and it's a the thing, career he's, long. He's been thing under the too. tutelage. He's been working out under Benny Wiley, and he's got worse at holding onto the ball. Like maybe right. maybe Benny Wiley is just good at making you look strong and get physically strong, but not like functional strength. He's taken yeah. away from Jalen's functional strength. That's right. J- what Jalen really needs to do is he needs to like ha- go drink milkshakes with Jim Harbaugh or something. That'll get him <laughs> that functional strength. It's literally it's it's a technique thing, man. Like you just have to watch the way he holds the football. And like, I'm not even going to say like this game, I don't think is a great example because he ran the ball a shit ton. He didn't fumble the ball on any of his running attempts. He fumbled on a a play that the offensive lineman just got beat because James Lynch is a really good football player and was beating our ass in the first half, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, like the interceptions are just as baffling. And in a lot of cases, more baffling Uh, Because this one, like, yeah, the receiver fell down, but you also had time to identify that he he fell down, right? And you've got to – you can't just stare at that receiver and just look at him until he gets up because that gives the defense enough time to react. And that's just – it just doesn't work against really good teams. And I've I've tweeted this, I think, a couple of times now. But, like, man, does Jalen – Jalen, like, has, like, negative pocket sense. Mm -hmm. Like – if if there's ever a situation to roll the pocket one way, he will go the other way. Right. And I don't know if that's just his like desire to seek conflict coming to play. Like, um, but it's very, but it's very strange. I um, it's very strange. Uh, I'm trying to think of other aspects of what else well, can we say about Chandler Hurts, Heisman finalist. Just... If you watch this guy, you're absolutely right. And like you compare him to watching like Joe Burrow, who has just ridiculous pocket pocket sense, and he always makes the right decision, and he always steps in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And that it has saved his ass a lot. It saves that LSU offense's ass a lot. And Jalen, it's just the opposite. There's situations where you know, the pressure really won't even be there and he'll bail out of the pocket because he feels like it's coming. And it's just, it's usually the wrong decision. And one of the few times this year where we've actually seen him make good decisions is because um, it it was in that Baylor game. Sorry. He, he actually made decent decisions when he like absolutely had to, I don't know. Jalen is weird, man. Like Jalen for the most part has, done everything he can to lose football games and then also done everything he can to win them. Yeah. It's he's just a it's weird just, he's it's like a, a wild guy that, player to look at and he's yeah. like lost like 3 football games in his life. Yeah, exactly. Like he is weird, man. Like that he's like the ultimate procrastinator. Like it's if something is <laughs> easy, he wants to make it harder on himself and just doesn't turn it around until he absolutely has to. Like it's just it's such a strange thing. Yeah. It's like the um it's like that Von Miller Old Spice commercial. Right, exactly. It's just like it's too easy. I need to make it harder. Um yeah, yeah. and it's got it's it's a really strange. What a strange character for us all to have witnessed in college football. Mm-hmm. Um Well, and like the storyline itself is just it's one of the most amazing stories in college football history. If you're being on, yeah. like just going from LSU to Oklahoma and making the playoff at Oklahoma in a year that Alabama doesn't, or going from LSU, going from Alabama to Oklahoma and then making the playoff in a year that Alabama finally misses out. Like it's yeah. just incredible. Yeah. That was something I was thinking about this weekend. So if Jalen Hurts stayed at Alabama, they make the playoff and Oklahoma doesn't, right? Like the, you can obviously argue the butterfly effect of everything, but they pro- if they have Jalen Hurts, they probably don't lose to Auburn. They might right. not lose if they have him as a backup. They might sit Tua out against LSU, and you don't really know how healthy Tua was. Maybe they win that one too, but they probably only have one loss at Alabama, and then Oklahoma probably drops another one. Other than like they probably drop at least two with Austin Kendall at quarterback. It's like a one loss Alabama. 
is probably Mm -hmm. competing with Oregon for that last spot. And I think Alabama probably gets in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that's crazy that yeah. just to add that to it. Yeah. I like how yeah. you don't think Spencer Rattler would have beat out Austin Kendall. I know. Well, it eventually ta- it after it would have taken two losses. Nah, no. Nah, it it would have taken like two games. I, <laughs> I I honestly like Austin Kendall is one of the most limited quarterbacks you'll ever see. And yeah, that dude was not gonna hold off Spencer Rattler. Um let's talk about a little bit before we talk about the uh the rest of the game. Um, let's talk about Jordan Love a little bit. Just get it out of the way. Okay. Um, so we, the rumor came down today that Utah State's quarterback, um, Jordan Love, is either considering going to the NFL or grad transferring, and that Oklahoma would be one of the options. Um, I, I think most of us, you know, I, maybe Sam doesn't, but I think Ryan and I are in agreement that you know, if he wants to come be Spencer Rattler's backup quarterback, that's fine. Um, Sam, how do you feel about Jordan Love? No, I, I do feel that way. Um, I don't think it's the right move to want to bring him on unless, like you said, he's content with being Spencer Rattler's backup. At some point, you got to start playing the guys you recruit or else you're not going to be able to recruit these guys. But okay. if Jordan Love, like let's say in a different world, Jordan Love was a junior last year and he came to Oklahoma instead of Jalen Hurts, I 100% think he would have been an even more Heisman candidate than Jalen Hurts was this year. Like, I think he would have been incredible in Lincoln Riley's system. Like, Jordan Love is a very good quarterback, and it doesn't look like it this year at Utah State. Because would you like? Would you guys like to guess how many starters Utah State lost on offense? Is uh, it eight? Eight. They lost nine. <laughs> nine. They starters, lost nine yeah. starters. He returned. His left tackle that was a sophomore last, or no, it was a sophomore this year. He returned his left tackle that was a freshman last year. His other, his four linemen that he lost were either all Mountain West or um, honorable mention Mountain West that were all two-year starters. He lost all four of his top receivers. He lost Darwin Thompson. Shout out to Jinx High School. Um, right. He lost so much, and like that was the biggest reason why he wasn't very good this year. Because mm-hmm. it's Utah State, and then you lose so much. But like Pro Football Focus still had him as their number five quarterback midseason. Like he has a lot of great tools. He's six foot four, two twenty. He's a mobile guy. Like he ran for eight hundred yards last year, I think. Um, so he's not the not the kind of guy where you're running like with Jalen Hurts. You're just running him on counter over and over. He's more like a Baker Mayfield type runner, but with actual talent at running. Um, the dude yeah. has an absolute cannon, like his deep passing grade this year from pro football focus was still really good. And where he mm-hmm. struggled was in the intermediate. And if you're telling me that Lincoln Riley can't make anybody a great intermediate passer, then I don't believe you. So yeah. I think like if right. he were here this year, he would have been a perfect fit for the offense. I think we would have been very, very good on offense. Right. Like kept the same yeah. explosiveness that we had before. But like you guys said, for next year, just go with Spencer and roll with it. Yeah, because at a certain point, it's it's more about the the perception than anything. And if you're taking another transfer quarterback to come in and start, like you said, you're not going to be able to recruit the five star quarterbacks because yeah. they're just going to think you're going to take a transfer that's going to start over them. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And I'm not doing anything. I mean, anything to screw up the Brock Vandergrift thing. Right. See, I love I love how all in Ryan's gotten in on Brock Vandegriff. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah, no, I, I I absolutely agree. I don't I don't think this is a move that OU can make. Um, it just the timing wouldn't be good. Like you said last year, I I take this guy ten times out of ten over Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's just a better passer than Jalen Hurts, and he's you know pretty mobile. He's not obviously the power runner, but he. You know, we would probably have run an offense more similarly to what we did with Baker and Kyler, and it would have been amazing. So um, it's too bad that it didn't happen last year. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's yeah. it's Spencer Rattler time, y'all. It's Spencer it Rattler time. It definitely is. Um, and, you know, I, th- you know, I think, just speaking of power running, uh, to get us back to the Big 12 championship. Sure. You guys still feel like maybe Ramondre isn't touching the ball enough? 
Oh, I definitely felt that. I can't remember. Did I say that to you guys during the game? I, I think, think that did. I wanted more Ramondre. Like, and looking at Bill Conley's advanced box score, Kennedy Brooks wasn't getting very good blocking. Like his line yards per carry were mm-hmm. below average, and Ramondre was getting better blocking. But also, even when he did, I just felt like for whatever reason, Kennedy Brooks was hitting holes very tentatively this game. He wasn't cutting it up. He kept trying to bounce stuff out around the wide receivers block. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I don't, I don't think Stevenson needs uh, carries. Uh, needs to take carries away from Kennedy Brooks. He needs to take carries away from Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like that's yeah. truly what needs to happen. Um, Jalen Hurts was very ineffective running the football, which is not surprising after what he did to Baylor last time that they really keyed in on stopping him. Um, yeah. yeah. 20 carries for 64 yards from Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Right. And I believe that's Jaylen. without sack yardage because that's that from is, Bill yeah. Conley. So. Yeah. Another thing about Jalen that I find really weird is I can never get a sense if he's making the right reads uh, in like the running schemes. Yeah, it's tough. Um, well, and part and like of some... it is because our running schemes are really complicated and good. Oh yeah, but oh for sure, for sure. But yeah, I do think that there were a couple of bad decisions in keeping the ball, and maybe they were not really decisions; they were more just hey this is a called run for you or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I tend to think that, you know, that that might be another kind of decision-making thing that he doesn't excel in um, because we know that there are plenty of those. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that Stevenson needs more carries. He was our most effective runner on the day. And like, I think it was Josh McQuistion that was talking about how, you know, this, the room to run was very limited in this game. And you would think that the type of runner that Ramondre Stevenson is, that would be the best fit for this yeah. specific game. Yeah, like um, even if Ramondre is getting hit in the same spots, like right at the line or something, he's the kind of guy just built in the way that he falls forward. And he's always yeah. going to get you that extra yardage, just not going to juke somebody out for extra yardage. He's just going to get it. Yeah. Yep. I did really like when he somersaulted over that guy. Yeah, that was like, cool. That was, that, was a, that was a, as much as I love Ramondre Stevenson, a horrible attempt at a hurdle. That was, oh, yeah. he, got, yeah. he got off the ground two inches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, he decided not very hops. late to try that one out. Yeah. Yep. Um, C.D. Lamb. He, uh, Pretty he good. Show, he showed back up. And yeah. it's, it's unfortunate that he's probably not going to win the Bolitnikoff because I have zero doubt in my mind that he's the best receiver in the country. And it's just, it's all about who he has thrown to him, the offense that he got put into this year. I mean, his numbers are good. Like, don't get me wrong, but he is, he's made so much more out of his actual like relative low number of touches this year than pretty much anybody else. It's unfortunate that he's not going to be able to win. Right. Yeah, like, like Jamar think- Chase is going to have like the D.D. Westbrook just like in the best situation, the best receiver with the best quarterback in the country, like and just getting ungodly stats. Right. But yep. if you like, just imagine- just the eye test, it's C.D. all the way. Yeah. Just imagine like the uh, the numbers C.D. would have pulled up put up if he was like in a Calvin Ridley situation. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, and if you think about back to the season, like. It's been an interesting year for him because we started the year thinking, oh, we've got to get C.D. Lamb the football. He's just not touching it enough. And and then we had that middle part of the year where it was like, man, we've got to spread the ball around a little bit more. CD, we're too reliant on C.D. Lamb. And then we ended the year with back to, oh, we've got to get C.D. Lamb the football again. You know, it's been almost three different seasons for him. And it's been really interesting to watch. And I, I do think that people have kind of overblown the whole body language thing for CD. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard that narrative that's kind of gone around the last couple weeks before this game where, like, yeah, you could tell he was really frustrated about not getting the football. His body language has been terrible. And I'm like, that just seems like CD to me. Like, I, yeah. I don't ever... Seems like a very I, boomer I'm, take to me. Well, people yeah. have been complaining about CD's body language since he got on campus, basically. He's a um, very, like... It's it's very Steph Curry esque to me, like, but obviously you can't see his face ever. Like Steph yeah. Curry has like a lot of very nonchalant celebrations and like that kind of deal, and mm-hmm. it's all like it's all good because you can kind of see his face and you can see that he's having a, a good time. I think honestly, if you could see CD's face, it would 
it would be something similar. And I think yeah. that yeah. Um, his approach, like he, I think he's really kind of changed too since he he had that game against Tech last year where he got two personal fouls on one play. Yeah. You know, and he's kind of really tried to not be very demonstrative on the field ever since mm-hmm. then. And, yeah. you know, I think people are just kind of reading too much into it. I remember they, the same thing was said about Joe Mixon. Like, I remember specifically the night of the Texas Tech game that was 66 to 59. People were talking about how bad Joe Mixon's body language was and not thinking about the fact that, like, he was touching the ball almost every down. Right. He had like 200 yards both ways with four touchdowns yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah. And he was our only running back because Samaje was hurt. Like, all of our running backs were hurt. He was the only guy that was healthy. So he had to just play the whole game. But, um, yeah. But, like, CeeDee Lamb, he comes up the biggest in the biggest games, like his best games, the Alabama game last year, last year's Big 12 title. Obviously, this year's Texas game. This game was amazing. Like, he's. He's a really, really great player, and it's it is unfortunate. I think he's the best receiver in OU history, um, just the most complete receiver in OU history. And uh, it's unfortunate he's not going to get that Bolitnikov. Yeah. Um, man. <laughs> yeah, it I was kind of it was it was like I going into the first Baylor game, I was kind of like you know CD is. Obviously incredible. Like like you guys, I think he's the best receiver. But I was like, you know, we should be fine. Charleston Rambo can provide some explosiveness. These freshmen have talent and stuff. And I think we just called our offense differently without CD. And so that was very apparent in the first half of this one. It was like, man, the biggest difference is that we have explosiveness again with CD right. there. And I don't know why we couldn't have explosiveness, explosiveness with Rambo in the past few games. I mean, obviously, other than he's just not as talented as CD. Right. But well, the biggest thing with CD is that he turns hitches into explosive plays. Right. Like, he is a touchdown threat the second he touches the ball on any play. Uh, and Rambo doesn't necessarily have that. Right. Rambo Rambo's reliant on Jalen Hurts making an accurate downfield throw. And yeah. that is just something that's yeah. kind of gone away. And it's really impacted his stats. I also... We have got to stop throwing little hitch routes and like screens to Rambo because he's just not a shifty player at all. Yeah, like I think Rambo's good. I like him a lot, but he's he's an over the top guy. He's a guy that you throw to down the field. You don't mm-hmm. throw a, a bubble screen to Charleston Rambo. He's not going to be able to make anybody mm-hmm. miss. He's not going to be able to yeah. run over anybody. That's right. You throw bubble screens to Jaden Hazelwood. That's right. And when he doesn't fumble, he punishes you. So right. I will say the 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 Charleston Rambo, um, you know, his kind of tailing off a little bit this year. It has created an interesting dynamic in the parents section of the the bleachers. <laughs> oh, really? So yeah, his the, there have been. It's very interesting. You don't really think of this, but you know, parents of players yell the same things about get rid of the ball. You tell yelling at Jalen to stop throwing or stop rolling out of the pocket and taking off for three yards. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts' his parents are sitting three rows away from them. And so it's very <laughs> yeah. interesting when a parent is yelling, you know, that her son is wide open and the quarterback needs to get rid of the ball. And then the dad of the quarterback is three rows away from her and can yell back that her son isn't open and that his son still got five yards on the play. And now it's second and five. So <laughs> very weird up in there. That's all real. That's really good. Um, does Thelonious Weiss do much yelling? Does he yell that they need to put? I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen Thelonious Weiss up there. You see Jaden Hazelwood's parents up there a lot, but I I couldn't pick out Thelonious Weiss from a lineup. I really enjoyed um, uh, because this was. um, I'm trying to remember what game this was now, where I just tweeted Theo goddamn Weiss, and then like three days later, Thelonious Weiss liked it. Yeah. Jaden Hazelwood's dad also goes uh, name searching for Jaden. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's positive stuff, though. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I it's been a weird. Can we talk about the freshman receivers? Because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it the fact that Jalen has been such a limited passer, it has really kind of taken the ability for them to really have breakout seasons away. Because you know, a lot of times. Jalen's just not getting past his first or second read. So even when 
Like yeah. Jalen Hurts played quite, or Jaden Hazelwood played quite a bit on Saturday. It just never went his way. I think he threw it to him once, and he overthrew it the time he did. Yeah. So like, it's been an God, interesting that was season. A, that was a death ball. Yeah, yeah. It's been a really interesting season for those guys, and like obviously Theo Weiss came up huge against Baylor. Um, we're still throwing AD Miller out there over those guys, which mm-hmm. still doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's it. What do you guys think? Like, if you know, I, I assume that they're pretty frustrated, right? Like, you would have to be, right? I would think they're frustrated for sure. Um, it can't be fun, you know. You've been the number one guy, presumably for you know four years, probably you know two or three for some cases, but. You've been that dude, and now you're there, and you're not even close to that dude. And most of the time, like the most frustrating thing is this, it's not your fault. Like you're not even getting a right. chance. And so I'm sure it's frustrating. I'm confident in these guys that they'll at least you know stick it out till their buddy Spencer Rattler's thrown to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm not worried about them you know leaving after one year or anything of the sort. But it's yeah, got I'm not for either. sure. Yeah, and I mean. You still got flashes. Stogner had that great play um, mm-hmm. in the Big 12 Championship, which um, I think we somebody had mentioned in our group chat. You know, if Stogner was out there again instead of Willis, he might have caught that. Yep, um, it would have happened for sure. Yeah, it's just like we've definitely seen flashes, and like when they have gotten their opportunities, like they have been dudes. Like. Mm-hmm. All like Trajan Bridges, I think it was against Iowa State. He caught like a fade route over the yeah. middle of the field. Like they just threw it up to him and he went up and got it. Like that's not something that any of our other inside receivers are doing. You throw that to Nick Basquin, it's it's not getting caught. You know, so mm-hmm. it's I I would have liked you know, Bridges is probably the one that I feel like should have played more than any of them because I just I think Nick Basquin's a good football player, but him stealing so many snaps away from a guy like Trajan Bridges is probably not an ideal thing right. to me. Right. You do have to give it up to Nick Baskin, though, for that unreal adjustment he made on oh, yeah. great. first oh, first yeah. TD catch since, like, 2016, I think is what I saw. Yeah. Or what I heard someone say? Yeah. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Consider, I mean, he's been a feature in this program for, I mean, we've known about him for yeah. six years now. Right, it's crazy. Yeah, we're, we're used to only saying his name on third down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I do want to say that I'm I'm gonna go ahead and start it right now. Um, if Drake Stoops starts over Trajan Bridges at the slot next year, I will never, like, I will hate Drake Stoops with all of my heart. Like, I'm just. It's gonna already be stupid that he's that. Yeah. Drake yeah. Stoops. What got, if he returns he like, punts next year? What are we gonna do? I'm gonna be pissed. I'm gonna be pissed Drake every Stoops single got time. Chippy with someone. I can't remember. It was a special teams play. At... Sorry, I cut out there. But uh, Drake Stoops, he got chippy with somebody on a, a special teams play, and I honestly don't remember if we were punting, receiving a punt, if it was a kickoff, or I don't. It wasn't a kick return, but he got chippy after the play. It's like. Dude, you don't have to make yourself relevant. Like, why are you getting in fights during the Baylor game? Like, we yeah. all know who you are. What are you doing, man? Yeah. Well, it's just like the two times we've noticed him on those situations was when he almost freaking cost us the game against Baylor by almost touching the ball on that punt. You know, like, just don't be a dumbass, Drake Stoops. That's why you're on the field. Um, but, yeah, I, I can already tell you that it's, it's probably – because I – honestly expect him to start because that's just how it goes um he's been in the program longer and that's i don't know for whatever reason that's how we we operate on at that inside receiver position like last year was miles T's really our best inside receiver but he started every game so i it is what it is at this point um okay let's talk about defense we haven't talked enough about it because you know we were overall very dominant um yeah yeah and I mean, this was this was a good Kenneth Murray game. Like he was the Kenneth yeah. Murray that we've seen at times this year. He's been inconsistent, but yeah. you know, overall he's been great. But this was really one of his better games. Like this with the Texas game is going to stick out yeah. as probably his two best games. Yeah, other I don't than remember the, who, the bust uh, over the middle. Right. Well, I don't remember who said it. 
Um, but somebody pointed out, like, you know, when this defensive line is getting pushed and creating havoc and he could just back clean up, he's insane. Yeah. Yeah, just he's just a frightening athlete, man. Like, just there, there were times again where it's over, you know, he's sideline to sideline, you know, getting yeah. over there, closing down on like Charlie Brewer early in the game. Like, he's trying to scramble, and you're thinking, oh, God, he's going to have, he might be able to get the first down. It's like, oh, no, right. very close, <laughs> and he got Murray a comes yard. In from the top of the frame. Yeah, and he got a yard, you know, like it's, yeah. it's impressive, man. But, um, I, you know, obviously a great game from him. I did almost have a heart attack thinking he might have torn his ACL. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> mid game. But right. I wonder, was, def- so was that just a cramp, you think? I, I heard someone uh, hypothesize that he just got the wind knocked out of him because I think mm. he only missed a play. Um, right. It, it was, I mean, it was just a weird play because it looked non contact. Right. Yeah. It just, it was a very strange thing, but obviously only missed mm. one place. So. So it was all good. Yeah. Um, I think another guy that stood out to me was Delarian Turner Yell. Yeah. And I know I, that he was all over the place. He was he was responsible largely for that bust that got them on that big play down to the I think the twelve yard line. He like bit on the bubble screen, which mm-hmm. you know don't do that. But overall, like he was the good version of Delarian Turner Yell. Like there's. Him, I thought we got the good version of Pat Fields. Like we got the good version of pretty much every defensive player yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, we got a really good version of Nick Benito. Oh yeah, that guy, Nick Benito and David Aguebu are going to be a problem for people. And yeah. like, if you look at the defensive line next year, if we can fi- figure out a way to replace Neville Gallimore with someone close to his ability. Um, we're going to be freaking ridiculous up front because yeah. Jalen Redmond's going to be another year into playing football and another right. year removed from the blood clots. <laughs> and um, a, that is an appreciable difference in the amount of football he has played. Oh, yeah. Like, that dude started playing football his junior year in high school. Like, he's still a young football player. Um, just a ridiculous athlete. Ronnie Perkins has really come into his own at the end of the season and been – you know, probably our most consistent defensive lineman over the last three or four games. Yeah. And he's a beast. Laurent Stokes didn't play on Saturday, but overall, I think he was Big 12 newcomer of the year on defense, which, you know, kind of tells you about his competition. But, you know, he right. was a consistent performer all season. Um, I wouldn't expect him to get worse, obviously. Uh, yeah. Marcus Stripling has played more and more towards the end of the year. Like, you, you look out there. You know, you're like, where's Ronnie Perkins? And Marcus Stripling is always the guy out there. So um, all of those guys are back next year, right? We just we have to find a way to replace the nose guard position. And if we do, we're going to be a problem up front for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. What? It, yeah, it's just true. It's simply true. <laughs> um, simply true. Right. I think the most interesting thing, and this probably won't matter because we're probably not going to beat LSU, but the question of Caleb Kelly is going right. to hang over this program. That guy has gotten better every game, man. Like, and he's really, I know there was one play that Sam pointed out where he saved a big play from Jamichael Hasty. He tackled him at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And, like, yeah, that was a huge play yeah. because Baylor I, didn't have anything going. And his ability to shut that play down before it started was that was huge for yeah, us. Like and, that was that was a pro play. That was mm-hmm. you have this gap. If you don't make this tackle, this is going for a big one. That was he, almost the exact same thing that happened to Utah and Oregon in the um, Pac-12 championship. Oregon had it really well blocked, and Utah, who has a great front seven, had a guy right in the hole, and it's one on one, make the play, and Verdell breaks the tackle and takes it 70 yards and ices the game. And Baylor has yep. a great chance to do that to us. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So no huge plays from him. I, I have never felt so like we need, if we make the national championship, sit him, do not play him in that game. We need I do not care. I really, I really sit, agree. Sit him in that game. We're not going to have Kenneth Murray next year. We need Caleb Kelly. We need do not suffer next year where you are truly a national championship contender. Right. Um, for one game on a, like a 5% chance that you actually win the national title. Don't do it. Yeah. And like, it's not going to matter because we're probably not going to beat LSU. Probably um, not. Yeah. 
which this might be a good time to do we have anything else to say about the Big 12 championship game? I don't think so, man. I what I guess the last thing I'll say is, you know, and we this will have talk more about this when we talk about playoff, but I the one thing you have to give credit to OU for doing is that they were the one team that was able to find ways to win games at the end of the year. They had so many other competitors for that fourth spot and all of them lost games. Like Alabama, yeah. go beat Auburn. Auburn's not that good. Go beat them. And they yeah. couldn't beat them. All Utah had to do was beat Oregon. All Oregon had to do was beat Arizona State. Like mm-hmm. there were so many teams that weren't able to do what OU did. And, yeah. you know, obviously it was frustrating at times and really disheartening at times. But OU freaking found the way to win the games. Yeah, it's it's like if you wanna like if you wanna like complain about OU getting that spot, just I mean, how how many teams in the country won more games than them? Three, you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly three. Memphis won twelve. App State won twelve. Apart from yeah, Oklahoma, we were, That's the end of that list. We were the only one loss Power Five team. Yeah. Like. Yeah. We deserve to be there. Like, sorry, like win more football games. That's that's all you have to yeah. do. If you're Georgia, don't lose to South Carolina. You know, yeah. like I would have complained, sure, if Georgia had gotten in over us, um, if with just one loss to LSU when they got their ass kicked, I would have complained about it. But it would have also been completely like, okay, yeah, they're probably a better team than us. Right. Um, but don't lose to South Carolina, have two losses. Like you didn't deserve to be there. Just didn't. Yeah. Now. With that said, I every OU fan who is feeling real salty about the way this playoff has been discussed to take a step back and recognize that we are the fourth horse at a three-horse race and that that's okay. Yep. And, like, it's it's honestly better this way because if there is a chance to pull an upset, it's that you're going to get overlooked. Like, that's yeah. how this happens. Like, that's how we go in and beat LSU – is when they're looking at Clemson or Ohio State. Like, they're not worried about Oklahoma uh, because obviously, oh, well, we got the easy game. We don't have to worry about it. So that's right. how we're able to pull off the upset because I'm telling you right now, man for man, if both teams come to play, we're getting beat by 14 points at least. Yeah. It's, like just, the, it's yeah. just how it's going to be. Yeah. The undefeated defending national champions on a 28-game win streak are the third seed in this playoff. Like, it is okay that we are maybe punching above our weight this season. That's okay, yeah. This is is the year. None of us picked OU to make the playoff going into this season. Like, this has been a... You did? I did. I said it was going to be Bama, Georgia, um, Clemson, and us. Oh, okay. Well, um, I don't think anybody else on this podcast picked OU to make the playoff. um, And... So they've already kind of exceeded expectations. Yeah. They won five Big 12 championships in a row. This was, again, the rebuilding year. This was the gap year. We were, were placing so much all over the field. This was the first year in a new defensive scheme. In every way, this season has been a success. And, you know, we have, like, think about if we beat Kansas State, we're still the number four seed, you know? Yeah. So yeah. you can't even be disappointed in that. Like, the same result happened. Like, yeah, it would have been nice to not be idiots for a day and lose to K-State, but we still would have been the four seed if every other result was the same. So, um, yeah. But obviously, I mean, we also four out of five, guys. Like, that's insane. Yeah. We, we've that's, made the playoff the, the third same most as of Alabama any team. now. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, they have one extra. They've been five times, right? Yeah, they've been five yeah, out of been, six. They've but, been five you know, out of obviously six. Obviously, four yeah. out of the last five. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're doing something that really only two other programs are doing consistently. And we're getting closer. Like Lincoln Riley talked last year after we lost Alabama. He said, we're close. You know, pretty soon we're going to be the team holding up that trophy at the end of the season. And I truly believe that that is the direction we're headed. And this year only kind of solidified that for me because – this was not the year that we were going to win it and we still have a chance to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to talk about just the LSU matchup specifically, I guess? 
because yeah. I think this was all of our kind of hope. You know, I, yeah. I know we had the talk a couple weeks ago about I don't even want to make the playoff if, if we've got to play Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kind of shifted that to include Clemson as well, where I think I'm more scared of Clemson than even Ohio State. Um, but again, we got the matchup that we talked about being pretty good for us in terms of, you know, being able to make it a football game. You right. Know, like LSU, their defense has looked much improved. Um, but at the same time, LSU could you could look at them as just like a really good version of a Big 12 team. Absolutely. Whereas these other teams are just different animals altogether. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, the worst, per S&P Plus, the worst unit in the playoff is our defense, but I really don't think it's uh, that much worse than than LSU's defense. Like, um, just because our... Uh, it's really difficult to put, like, a number on how good our defense is other than to just, like, say, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like... For both, like, and I think a lot of it is almost contradictory in terms of, like, like people are citing our total defense as, like, an example of how this defense is good. And I was like, well, that's, I mean, I, I guess total defense isn't a good stat. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think, a, like, a lot of that has to do with the way our offense has possessed the ball and also the way we've given up short fields. And the fact that our offense has given our opponents so many short fields also, like, our scoring defense should probably be better than it is because we've given our opponents so many chances inside, yeah. like in their own half. Yeah. A better, a better metric to use for how our defense has improved would, I would say be yards per play, which is still a huge improvement. Um, I think what the improvement was in total defense was like 121st to 24th, which is massive and misleading, but the yards per play is still like 95th and we're 32nd this year in yards per play, which is great. And LSU, we're at 5.1 yards per play. LSU is at 25th with 4.9 yards per play. Right. It's like, like very are... similar in level of skill. Right. Yeah. And Ohio State and Clemson are tied at first at 3.7 yards of play. Just pointing out. Yeah, I don't want, don't want to look at that one. No, those teams are, yeah. they are, they are legitimately terrifying. Both of those yeah. teams are. Um, but... Yeah, so we got the team that we wanted, even though they looked amazing to end the year. Their last two games, they were just as dominant as you could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we feel like this game goes? I honestly think it's a, it's kind of a punch-for-punch punch game. Um, and I think OU probably loses by about 10 or so. Okay. Do you think they get up into like the forties or is it like I a think, 38? I think uh I think like thirty eight, twenty eight, something like okay. that. Maybe it could get a little bit higher, but I think probably somewhere around that, thirty eight, twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think really <laughs> our goal this year, because you know, we kind of ha- we're in a similar situation last year where we didn't really feel like we could win the first game that we were the playoff game we were in. We just need to not get down by twenty eight in the first quarter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would uh, help. That if we could have the same score to end the game as last year's game, I would take that. 45-34, I would take that. As long as it doesn't include us having to make a furious comeback to make it that close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um. It's so because so much of it is going to depend on like a question of like, is the defense like good, good, or just like fine, good? Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if this defense is like good, good, like we could really make a game of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's, it's just like fine, good, then it, we probably won't. It's going to come down to that secondary. And it really, yeah. it really sucks. And I, I was talking to Nathan a couple of days ago, just talking about, some of the guys that Kerry Cooks just blundered their their recruitment and how if we had those guys, mm-hmm. this defense is completely different, particularly at the safety position. Um, and, you know, LSU is obviously not the team that you want to have any secondary issues against. And mm-hmm. that is, without a doubt, the weakest part of our offense or of our defense. 
Right. Um, so that in a way is very scary. Um, but I think, you know, the, the hope is that you can make an LSU team be one dimensional, shut down the run game. And then, yeah, you've got to match up with the freaking Heisman winner in a core of great receivers. Like it's not a great result, but that's probably what you have to do. And then mm-hmm. you've got to hope that their defense, you know, or they're off. Yeah. Their defense has shown some holes this year, especially defending some quarterback run. Maybe that's something we could take advantage of on offense to kind of keep it close. Um, but I, I, I see a, you know, 10 to 14 point loss in this one for sure. Um, I wish, you know, I, I mean, it's not impossible that we win, but it would take an inordinate amount yeah. of luck. I mean, that, the thing is, Joe Burrow has been a very um, turnover-prone, mistake-prone quarterback in his career, and Jalen Hurts has not been that, and they've both been the complete opposite this year. You, there's definitely an argument to think, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a regression to the mean for both of them in yeah. this game, and we yeah. we definitely make a game out of this one. If they make one or two mistakes and Jalen is just all over them. Yeah. By the way, um, through week 14 – so not including the conference championship. Um, do you guys hazard a guess as to where OU ranks in the nation in terms of turnover rate? Oh, uh-uh. you... I'm going to go 112th. They are 102nd, turning over wow. the ball on almost 14% of offensive drives. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, LSU Especially compared to... Yeah, especially compared to the last, you know, four years of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, who right. threw one pick in like the eighth game of the season, right. you're like, what the hell is the deal? Right, and you really get a sense of like this offense is awesome, except for all of the times they turn the freaking ball over, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yep, um, like, yep, third in possession efficiency. I'm having to use FEI stats because S P Plus is. <laughs> The, next year, next I year, I'm Bill's confident we'll get him back. I'm confident we'll get him back. Um, yeah, you're talking like 13th in uh, possession offense efficiency, um, fourth in like I'm having to look up what these acronyms mean. Touchdown rate, percentage of offensive drives that result in the touchdown. They are fourth with 50% of their drives resulting in touchdowns. Um, first down rate, they're sixth, 83% of offensive drives result in at least a first down um, available yards percentage second 69% of their more than 69% of their available yards um, explosive drives second the 34% of their drives average at least 10 yards a play that's a banana stat yeah. Um, yeah like this is a really good offense if it doesn't turn the ball over and it's frustrating because that feels really fixable. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I can't go into any game at this point against, you know, a, you know, reputable opponent and think that Jalen hurts, isn't going to just give them the ball twice, you know, like that is I'm operating under the assumption that Jalen hurts is going to give LSU the football two times in this game. And it's going to suck, you know, like that's just kind of how you have to operate at this point. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, this offense is really good when he's not doing that. And it's just, it's been a a full season thing. Um, All right. Uh, Do we, what do we think about the, uh, the Clemson Ohio state game? Cause I am very excited. I think that's going to be one of the best playoff games we've seen ever. And like, we've had some great ones in the national championship and like the Rose bowl. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah. I thought we'd be seeing it, you know, the week after or the, mm-hmm. you know, nine days after whatever it times out to be. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I think it's an incredible matchup. You know, you look at you know Trevor Lawrence and those ridiculous Clemson receivers against Ohio State's defensive backs. You look at J.K. Dobbins, Justin Fields against that Clemson front, which probably I mean, definitely isn't as good as their front was last year, but it's still a freaking Clemson front. So. Um, uh, let's just, who, who do you think wins that game? Man, it's tough. I, yeah. I picked Ohio state to win the national championship a couple weeks ago over Clemson. So I'll, I'll still roll with them. I'll take them like 35, 31. 
Man, it's rough. Um, I wish I had bothered to watch the second half of the Big Ten Championship because my current impression of Ohio State is not great. Um, they they looked like they did for the rest of this. Right. Just I, straight up. I believe that they have the best player in this game in Chase Young. Um, yeah. I th- it's rough. I This is a really close matchup, I think. SP uh-huh. Plus disagrees. Um, well, well SP Plus have it. SP, oh, I say they disagree. Um, yeah, SP, SP Plus, Plus favors Ohio State by about a touchdown. And oh, the, wow. thing, the thing with SP Plus is, and Bill's tweeted about this, uh, Clemson has been outperforming SP Plus by like two touchdowns the past six weeks or so. Right so they now. got like heavily weighted with some, you know, lackluster performances early on in the year, and they've just been on an absolute tear lately. So probably on the same right. level as Ohio state lately. It's just, it hasn't been enough to outweigh the other things going into the algorithm. Yeah, that, that North Carolina game is still there. It still happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I favor Clemson just because, yeah. man, they I, turned it on in the playoff. Like I consistently. really, I really, really, really want Ohio state to win this game. Like yeah. I, I actually despise Clemson. I think like Dabo is probably my least favorite coach in the country. Like I can't stand that guy. Dabo's um, doing great rallying the troops though with that fake chip it. on the shoulder. I hate thing. it so much. I think we've, we we have hate discovered it so that. Much. <laughs> Banner Society's little hater that lives in Dabo's ear is apparently just Alex. <laughs> I hate that guy. Like I I think he's a great football coach, Clemson. I honestly think Clemson wins the game, but I really, really want Ohio State to win. Like, I don't like Ohio State either, but I, I would much rather them get it than, um, than another Clemson win. Like that, I just, I am tired of it. Um, so obviously, you know, we obviously want OU to win the national championship, but assuming that is not in the cards, who, who do we want to win the national title out of the other three? Obviously, I just stated that I don't want Clemson to win. I want Joe Burrow to walk off into the sunset. Um, the And the other aspect of that is that I feel like LSU is the only team that's not doing this sustainably. Okay. I see. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll have to see. I'm, I'm going to be in attendance at the game in Atlanta. I'm very blessed to get to go to that. And so I'll have to see how I feel about LSU's fans post that game. Um, uh-huh. I might end up actually rooting for Ohio State in that one if it's Ohio I, State in the national championship against LSU. I, I I think I want Ohio State to win it because they are, you know, I guess we don't really compete that much with recruits for Cle- with Clemson, but like I said, I can't stand them. And, um, you know, LSU is closer to us just regionally. So I, That's fair. you know, we, we've run across Ohio state a little bit less, I think, except for when they come into Oklahoma and steal our best player who is a safety at a huge position of need. Thank you, Kerry cooks. Really appreciate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think Ohio state, because I, I, I like the Justin, I like Justin Fields. I think I do too, man. Yeah. it would, it would also, I really think Kirby smarts kind of an idiot and, that would really just illustrate that to the fullest right. where he's sitting there with Jake Fromm and, you know, he had a national championship quarterback on his bench that he wouldn't play. So right. um, that would be pretty cool to see. Yeah. I, at, the same, at the same time, I think it would be funny if Ohio state had a national championship quarterback on their bench. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's absolutely um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, like can we Joe- talk about okay. real, Jim Moore. That reminded me of Jim Mora talking. Oh yeah, that's what I was going to ask about watching the game on TV. Go ahead, Alex. Um. So, just full disclosure, I didn't watch any. I didn't have a chance. I totally would have. I would have sat at home all day and watched the the five hour show that they had that had all this on it. But apparently, Jim Mora was you know again shitting on OU's defense. That's tripling down on it, huh? That's his shtick now. Which whatever. Yeah, do your thing, Jim. But he also apparently said that Jalen Hurts was the best quarterback in the playoff, which is God. just a 
Just Jalen Hurts is the fourth best quarterback yes. out of the four teams in the playoff. <laughs> yes. Right. He is the worst starting quarterback in the playoff, pretty definitively. Um, yeah. But, I mean, what does Jim Mora know, right? Yeah. Uh, Literally, what does he know? nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, just spent four years ruining Josh Rosen and then gallivanted off in the sunset. I think it's gonna. it's really cool that he's adopted this strategy of, like, <laughs> crapping on um the work alex grinch has done while he's trying to find a job yeah. um really like this is the double-edged sword of the like golden parachute of becoming an analyst after you leave after you get fired as a coach yeah. is that uh if you have dumb football opinions they show up yeah people yeah. are gonna see you on tv not knowing shit like you clearly don't watch any of the games if you think that OU just has no defense, right? Or if yeah, or if Maybe, you, or if you think Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback, you are literally point, looking like, at stats. That's it. Yeah, totally. Makes ours. no sense. That's what I was going to ask. Apparently, at halftime of our game, and Jonathan Vilma has been the same as Jim Moore and saying He's like, just, yeah, "Oh, you yeah. doesn't tackle. They don't play defense." Blah blah blah. Well, apparently. If you guys could confirm this for me, Mark Sanchez was the one saying, like, oh, OU's defense has been all over. They've been a mess today, and Jalen Hurts is the only thing keeping them in this game. And Jonathan Vilma was the one that set the story straight. Yeah, that was absolutely what happened. So I was like, man, when Jonathan Vilma is your voice of reason, I I had higher hopes for Mark Sanchez as a pundit. Whoever the third guy on that panel was was really the one who reeled everything in. was like, look, guys, Baylor threw – Two passes, and that's like all of their yards, and they were both astonishingly lucky. Like, yep. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, Mark Sanchez is the guy who ran into his own teammate's butt and fumbled. Like, I, I have no expectations for him to be good at his job. <laughs> He's never gonna escape it. No, definitely not. Definitely not. God, he is the um, butt fumble guy now and forever. Yeah, yeah, and that take is the butt fumble of takes. So, yeah. <laughs> God, um, do we have any final thoughts? Um, I think we're all we're all excited and just you know the pure number of things that had to happen for you to make the playoff is pretty incredible. It just seems yeah. to always fall into place for us. And yeah. one I of these of, days, I had to take advantage of it. Oh, you fans, please take a moment and just recognize our privilege as a fan base. Because like, even if Utah, uh, we oh, Utah probably still would have been in, but. We are just a very lucky and privileged fan base. Right. Oh, yeah. Everything just breaks our way. Like, as soon as that Arizona State-Oregon game started going the way it was, I was like, ah, oh, this is all going to break our way, huh? That's mm-hmm. dumb. Exactly. That was the one that I was worried about. Like, that the Pac-12 game, I was pretty confident Auburn was going to beat Alabama somehow, and they did. And then I was I was very confident that Oregon was going to beat Utah once they lost to Arizona State. Like I was supremely confident that that was going to happen. So, um, anyways, uh, do we want to just wrap it up there? Works for me. Yeah, I think I'm fine with that. Uh, thanks for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi, at PURD, P-U-R-D underscore Happily, and at not that Sam Davis. Uh, and we'll see you guys again sometime soon. We'll have stuff to talk about next week, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, so hope you've enjoyed it.